I just got three things to say. God bless our troops. God bless America. And gentlemen, start your engine! Remember that from uh, 2007? I think it was Kevin James at a NASCAR race. What are we starting our engines for? I don't know. It just felt like I wanted to get the uh, the blood pumping. And uh, for this, is going to be an exciting episode of the Truck Show Podcast. Uh, It's been an exciting week. I know that much. Yeah? Yeah, I just got back from SHOT Show. Mm -hmm. Did you drive the 392 because it's sitting outside banks here? Nope. No. No, I took a uh, took a ride with people who got uh, free company gas. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I was a, uh, a passenger, uh, and that was just fine. So, uh, Jason Gonderman, myself, and our friend uh, Corey Simone piled into a uh, Denali uh, Yukon. It was a Denali Ultimate. So, it, not just the Denali. That's for poor people. No, no. This is uh, this was <laughs> not the Denali for the poors. This was uh, the top of the line with uh, Super Cruise, which was weird. So, is Super Cruise... Uh, I see people talking about that with towing, but not just for cruising... Sands caboose. I'm saying, like you used uh, Super Cruise right. just to not towing. Right? I have never. What does it have to do with towing? I don't know. I just saw an no, article Super, the other day, Super like Cruise someone was talking is, about Super Cruise towing. Well, yeah, great. You can. You're supposed to be able to use it while towing, but no, we're, you didn't tow anything to Shot Show. I don't know. We're just maybe. driving down the driving down the road. Anyway, my uh, whole okay. po- my whole point of this is that the uh, the Super Cruise is super weird. And uh, it's like in the wind, it has these really jerky back and forth in your lane. And there's times where we're like, yeah, we're not doing that anymore. And it loses the lanes all the time. And I'm like... Super Cruise is hands-off, hands off. right? Oh, yeah. no. And mm-hmm. uh, we, we tried it and we went back to hands-on because it was like, eh, I'm not so sure. This feels super ready for prime time. No, it's de- it's definitely not not okay. Yeah, it, it was... Yeah. So anyway, I was in the passenger seat. And now you could feel like it, the sway back and forth as it's trying to compensate in the lanes or where it was. It would lose and beep at you, and I don't know. It would just be like, I don't know the lanes are. You're on your own. And then there's just some weird idiosyncrasies with it. We should uh, we should have Jason on to talk about his experience because he's going to have that vehicle for a while and he's doing all sorts of uh, experimenting with it. But yes, that was weird. But well, uh, who was behind the wheel? You. Or Jason. Jason. Okay. I, I don't know if you guys traded. No, get, I rode, to, like, I, the I rode along. I was a passenger. I, maybe, I was ballast. I, I know, but some you like to get behind the wheel. So I thought at some point halfway through this trip, no, you're hopping in. I no, I slept. Oh. It was awesome. <laughs> I'm like, wake up at 5 a.m. to go to to, uh, to SHOT Show? And yeah. yeah I'm, dude, I'm... So L.A. So I, to Vegas, hands-free. I, I fell... No, not the whole way. I fell asleep uh, just uh, about the, uh, the grade coming out of L.A. in Cajon Pass. And I woke up past Gene. Oh, and you I, got some Z's I, on. I was really confused to where we were too because they added like an extra lane. And I'm like, I see the desert and I see three lanes on the freeway. I'm like, all right, where are we? I'm so like, Gene I, is three quarters the way to Las Vegas from Los Angeles, right? Two thirds? Uh, no, no, way closer, way closer to Vegas. So seven eighths, five six. <laughs> okay. I, I woke up and I was like. Wow, Barstow, huh? And he goes, uh, we're in Nevada. And I was like, sweet. <laughs> so that was that was very nice. It was a very comfortable car to sleep in. Were you snoring? Uh, he says I was. I, w- I believe him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, believe yeah. Holman snores. So this year at SHOT Show, there weren't as many uh, vehicle people because the last few years, there's been a lot of truck manufacturers and there's been a lot of crossover and different companies in our space. Not as many this year, but uh, the guys from Plan B, they wanted us to come by the SEMA booth to see their armored vehicles at, uh, at SEMA in the West Hall. And uh, we had passed by, but we weren't able to circle back. Well, I saw them at SHOT Show uh, hawking their uh, armored wares and uh, talked to the guy there. So hopefully we'll get them on the show at some point. And then I also talked to uh, the guys over at Lenco. They do the Bearcats for the police departments. 
So okay. working on getting them as well. So some armored vehicle stuff came out of there. And then mostly I uh, went to Industry Range Day, and uh, I basically just shot uh, a lot of other people's guns in 25-mile-an-hour winds with uh, hail on the way. So... So it's pretty cool. How is that set up? They just have a a, a four by eight table full of guns. You can just yeah. pick one and shoot it. Exactly. Yeah. There's like a little line, and you go to each stall and each no, manufacturer. No, seriously. You can yes. just really. Yes. Huh. I have a I have a little piece of audio that you can hear uh, freedom in the background. I th- like to play that. Okay. Just listen. Yeah, that's, that right fr- that's freedom. Sound of freedom, my friends. That's right. Cruise around uh, industry uh, range day. Got the 2023 shot show. Wind is howling. It's cold, but that's not going to deter all of us to uh, enjoy the shooting industry. So uh, I'm going to cruise around today, shoot some cool stuff. You sound frozen. Get some interviews from the show tomorrow. Wish you were here, Lightning. <clears throat> not. No, you don't. Uh, no, I wouldn't wish me there either. It was awesome. Yeah, I'm sure it was. Fully automatic uh, guns, shotguns, uh, bullpups, pistols, um, carbines. I don't and, even know uh, what a bullpup the, is. The long, you know, it's where the uh, the action is behind the trigger instead of in front of it. Oh. All sorts of just awesomeness. Everything, staccatos and Gucci Glocks and all the big guys like Springfield and Glock and yeah. It was basically a couple days of uh, of, of heaven. heaven? Yeah. yeah. So anyway, uh, came back last night. Uh, had to rush home. Couldn't stay an extra day at shop because our friend Rich Holdaway, you know him as uh, Rich from Hollister, uh, came down to uh, help finish out the uh, the pot shed. And uh, so he was coming last night. But unfortunately, as with just about every uh, truck in the world, uh, uh, had some problems on the grapevine. Mm-hmm. Not every truck has trouble on the grapevine itself. They have just trouble. Right. Well, yeah. <laughs> he calls me and he's like, "Hey, uh, we were making good time, but this is where we're at right now." And it was like, "Oh, uh oh, Castaic." And it's like, "Oh, uh, let's figure some stuff out." So anyway, he came to Banks yesterday. Yes, he did. Limped it into Banks with a, a ten, eleven thousand pound, twenty five foot trailer, and uh, I gave him a, I gave him a, a, you know, a Plan B option. I said, "Listen, I've got this Titan XD, and you, you couldn't write this any better, right?" We we talked about it in the last episode where I said, "Hey." I've got a Titan, and you thought it was going to be a half ton, and I thought it was going to be half. No, they gave me an XD, and I'm like, wow, oh, this is a lot of truck for just moving the studio around, but we appreciate Came in handy, up. didn't it? It sure did, because I drove that up from uh, HB, and I picked up uh, Rich's trailer. I towed it the 40, 45 miles back to my place, and last night we were doing 65. We were passing. Uh, that 5.6 endurance, awesome. The thing towed like a champ, no trailer wag or anything, and, and Rich was behind me with his unloaded Super Duty going... Dude, that thing looks stable the whole time. So it's funny how sometimes these things just work out. So uh, so shout out to Nissan for uh, giving us the truck because we're thinking, oh, it's an XD. We'll put some light uh, desk and some chairs in the back and we'll move our studio. No, we towed the freaking construction trailer. No, you used that thing. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> so, I, I had an idea that he was going nowhere. <laughs> Banks has arrived, by the way. Yeah, that's right. Gail Banks wait, is uh, in the chat. Guy, no, wait a minute. So wait, if we're in the, the Banks conference room, uh-huh. the, the big guy gets to just waltz in and interrupt the podcast whenever he feels like it? Well, actually, Pretty much. I have a joining. This <laughs> is a more gracious word. Yeah, I'm interrupting. All yeah. right, so uh, here's what we do. Let, let's do uh, let's do the thank you to Nissan, and then mm-hmm. we should have Gail 
promote the uh, Banks Power uh, product, oh, really? product of w- the uh, What's the product of the day? I don't know. It's up the to the, No, it's up to Gail. Oh, Whatever okay. he wants. He gets to choose. <laughs> all right. So first of all, we have to thank Nissan, our presenting sponsor. And again, thank you for the uh, Titan XD because we actually used it. Well, so Rich and his crew couldn't get over how how luxurious it was. They yeah. walked around it like four times going, this is as nice as you guys say it was. They're banging on it. They're like- Well, it's easy to think that we're shills or something. What, because he's opening sp- and closing no. the door a bunch of times going, it's as quiet as lightning when, says it is. When I drove it and I was towing the trailer, the one thing that was in my mind was, what a shame they don't sell more of these because this is such an underrated truck. This thing tows awesome. And I, I've towed with the XD, but I haven't spent a lot of time towing with the gas. I used to tow with the diesel when they had the Cummins available. And I've only towed with the gas once, and that was a big boat out on a media drive. And obviously, it wasn't like your own backyard, so I didn't really get a chance to feel like it would be like on our streets, on our roads. Towing the construction trailer, dude, it was awesome. And I was like, man, this thing is so nice. It, it has the telescoping mirrors on it, and it, you know, the transmission was great, the integrated trailer brake controller. Hold on. It took you how many tries to back up and get the ball hitch? Well, I'll spoil it. Once. Once. <laughs> once. Yeah. Perfect. Right in alignment. Yep. Watched watched it in the camera. Dropped it on it. And uh, yeah. So anyway, we uh, we got that. They're at the they're at the house right now, building out the pod shed. So they're doing drywall today. Can we not call it the pod shed, please? No, that's the pod shed. And uh, we got them here. His truck is over. I'll give a shout out to Bud's Diesel. Uh, out in in uh, Midway City, not too far from me. That's Huntington uh, Beach. There is no Midway City, by okay. the way. Well, it's, it's technically Midway City. Yeah, whatever. But, but Bud's is there, so they uh, were two weeks out. And Rich is like, do you know any diesel shops? He goes, yeah, these guys we used to work with when I was at Diesel Power, they're like two miles from my house. So he calls them up, tells them what's going on. They're like, we're two weeks out, but since you're out of town, we'll get you in at 8 a.m. tomorrow. We should interview Nick at Bud's Diesel. Yeah, so Nick got him in this morning. So okay. that, that's so we should interview him and thank him for uh, sure. You know, taking care of our, our man Rich and the Super Duty. So he looks like an oil cooler failed. And uh, so not nothing... I mean, catastrophic, no, but not like the head. It gasket didn't get right catastrophic. Yeah. But the moral of the story is: thank you to Nissan yep. for saving the day. Yep, absolutely. So, uh, if you uh, are interested in a Titan, a Titan XD, five-year, hundred thousand mile warranty, or the Nissan Frontier, head on over to your local Nissan dealership, or go to nissanusa.com, where you can build and price and see uh, just exactly how nice you can make your Nissan. All right, so uh, we've got Gail Banks in the studio, and we were going to bring him in for like the big intro, but he just waltzed in, and I think we give. You, oh, well, the I'll go out and you come. No, in. no, 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 no. Stay, stay, stay. stay. I, I do. I, I can come in again. <laughs> well, this is normally where we do the uh, the banks promo, but it would be fun to have. What What's your favorite product right now that Banks offers? Would it be the iDash, the pedal monster, the diff covers, speed brakes? What What's the one thing that you are fancying today? I think our breakout product currently is the one I fancy. Uh, that being the pedal monster. Okay. That thing fits anything made in the world. You know, it's that universal. Our iDash super gauge and data monster instruments also fit everything in the world, but they aren't quite as emotional as a... You could dial up the screws on the uh, pedal monster. Yeah, and I don't know anybody who's experienced a pedal monster and taking it off their view it should be called afterwards. yes it should be called the smile monster yeah that's i mean i have seen or you're gonna have a monster or the giggle smile. monster yeah. i've watched grown men giggle like yeah. school children yeah. putting it on their car or their truck uh-huh. and of all sorts from subarus to full-size diesel pickup trucks and they all have the same reaction they're like what the f-? yeah <laughs> like, I, 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 yeah 
I had to bleep myself. Sorry. Yeah, you, but did. Like, you did. But th- they all have the same reaction. They can't believe what it does. Well, and I'll, I'll tell you this. Uh, I spend a lot of time in Facebook groups and forums, and especially in the Jeep community. And before it was the other brand that every, everybody would mention. And now people are like, oh, no, you got to get the Banks Pedal Monster. And people are like, oh, well, I had this problem with it. Yeah, 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 active safety. Oh, I, I used this one. I didn't really, oh, yeah, there's 30 levels of uh, you know, adjustability. And so the message is getting out about the benefits of the Banks version. So now all these people are starting to evangelize and say, no, 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 you got to go with Banks. And it's kind of cool to see. Yes, brother, bring it. And, and one <laughs> thing we do, uh, there's the feature set, I come from racing. We'll talk about racing more when we talk about our industry and where it's going. And uh, I think there's a number of questions you had for me on that. I do. Yes, uh, we do. Oh, I'm going to know it. I'm not going to put them in front of you. We're oh, ask you're going to surprise me. Yeah, yeah you have to shoot from the hip. <laughs> okay. Just like we do. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, but, but the feature set on that product starts with making it safe. And if it fails, you still have the stock pedal. It can fail completely, and you are not stranded. The other part is in reverse if you if you like quick pedal you don't like it in reverse i'm just telling you uh you might run over your dog or end up on a qualified captain you don't want a super responsive pedal in reverse yeah that's how the boat and the truck end up in the lake yep Mm -hmm. or the 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 tongue of the trailer is through the tailgate and in the bed (laughs) seen Uh, that before yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> was it qualified captain is that the instrument? and that's yes. without yeah. that's without an active uh, pedal enhancement so the other thing is it's super reliable because it runs on 12 volts off the obd connector it knows whether or not you're in reverse because it's on the obd connector it knows a lot of other stuff that i don't want to talk about <laughs> uh, <laughs> that makes it it isn't a straight line it doesn't make the throttle response a straight line it makes the throttle response fast at first and then it goes to 100 percent more progressively or less intensely the other guys they they just take zero to 100 percent it's now zero to 80 percent and the last 20 percent of the pedal is just dead it's absolutely dead it's like driving a plate race you know nascar restrictor plate race and you're just up against the uh it's all about yeah. momentum because yeah. there's no pedal at the top end you you get to the choke flow through the restrictor plate you know of course the butterflies are of the carburetor now the air valve or air regulator since it's not a carburetor anymore you know uh, but it still looks like a carburetor you get to about 50 55 percent open and the rest of the pedal is dead so any guy who's driving a plate race, you can't punch it and go around somebody. Yeah, that's it. That's you, all you got. You see freight trains all over the place, you know, where everybody's <laughs> nose to tail. So, you know, you got the fast guy freight train, and then you got about eight car lengths. And then you got a medium guy <laughs> freight train, and then a bunch of stragglers out back, as <laughs> usual, filling the field. The point being, I hate that feeling. Uh, as an automobile performance guy, I want to pedal all the way to the floor. So we did performance curved throttle response, a performance shaped throttle response, and the mid range is wild. Or you can—that's where the fun is. Oh for yeah. Sure. And if it's too much off the line, this is kind of up to about ten percent 
throttle, I came up with the idea, let's let the user customize off idle. In other words, if you've got a super quick, you know, in traffic, mm-hmm. traffic lights, et cetera, you don't want to be barking the tires coming off idle. Yeah, you're talking about speed-based trim. Exactly. So you and, can limit the amount of added sensitivity below 10 miles per hour. And there's different levels of that. Absolutely. It makes the thing ultimately tunable. Anything else that's out there is not. It just isn't. We put a, a feature set in there. We've held our price as, w- as well for years now. The feature set is so great, we're easily worth twice what the competition is worth. I mean, our engineering effort continues, of course. We're constantly refining all our electronics. It's endless. And we're adding double E's, something fierce. Electrical engineers, yes, for those I'm not sorry. in school. We're also getting into the hybrid powertrain development business for the Army. Okay, well, that's, yeah. hold on, we'll oh, yeah. get, that, that's towards the end of the I show. I mean, that's electrical, too. <laughs> yes. There's a lot of electrical engineers at oh, Banks. Okay. So okay. anyway, for your pedal monster, go to bankspower.com. All you have to do is type in your year, make, and model, and it'll lay out the, the ones that fit your vehicle. There is no product like this. There really isn't. Everything else is hobby shop, at best. So says the man. The Truck Show. We're going to show you what we know. We're going to answer what the truck. Because truck rides with The Truck Show. We have the lifted. We have the lowered and everything in between. We'll talk about trucks that run on diesel and the ones that run on gasoline. The Truck Show. The Truck Show, The Truck Show. Oh, oh, oh. It's The Truck Show with your hosts, Lightning and Holman. Gail's over there trying to sing. Awesome. I am singing. I'm not trying. You oh, listen yes. to it. You know? All right, I got a picture for you. Okay. I, I was singing Desperado on the way in. <laughs> All right, I got this picture for you. This arrived at my doorstep yesterday from our listener, Jason Broom. And uh, Jason had sent me a link to a product. And uh, he said, you need this for the podcast studio. And I said, well, uh, you have to be on Santa's list because uh, I'm broke at the moment. Okay. And uh, he said, well, Santa is going to come early. And I thought he was kidding until this showed up. Oh, that is a Dr. Pepper mini fridge, isn't it? It sure is. Oh, my so God. We, I wow. <laughs> we will have water and cold Dr. Pepper at our disposal in the new studio. Yeah, Thanks to it. Jason Broom. Wow. Thank you, Jason. Appreciate that. Yeah, I, mean, I also have something uh, that I told Rich about that he has to wire in. So I'm not sure that I'm okay with that. Because Why? I, well, because where you told him to wire it doesn't really work, and I don't know what it is. I, it's uh, So it's... You will like it, and it should be on the ceiling, I think. Well, that's what you said, but yeah. the way the ceiling is pitched and the way it's going together, I don't know if that's that is... That's what I is. want. Yeah, I want it hanging from the ceiling, mm-hmm. and it's just a... It's a, it's a I'll say it's, a, it's like a faux neon sign. Mm-hmm. Do you want me to spoil what it is now? No, but you should talk to Rich to make sure. I did. That, no, no, no. You need Now that Rich is, is working on it right now and sees the how it's, the layout is and stuff, Okay, you should have a conversation to make sure that he... Well, where would you want a like a foot tall faux neon sign? I think it'd be cool in the ceiling. So is that what it is? Is it a foot tall neon sign? Yeah. Oh, great. But I'm not telling you what it says or I Well, I think, there's, I think there's several spots along the wall that would be perfect. Okay. 
because you got to remember we've got we can't have it hanging down too far because it'll get into uh, the cold air coming out of our mini split or the TV. I don't think that'll matter. It's LED. Hmm. It's not real neon. Hmm. There's a plan. There's a plan, and we have to make sure that it's uh, it fits with the plan. So I think, uh, well, first, should we play an intro for Gail? I feel like yes. we just came out of the intro. Well, okay, which... Uh, well, which... I, it's got to be entrepreneur, right? Because no. that's, I feel like that's the theme of, of this. No, uh, we've no? done a lot of entrepreneur. I think it should be old-timey shop talk so he can tell us what he's working on. Really? Well, yeah. No, you, but I... Hey, Gail, do you like Barbershop Quartet? I uh, love it. There you go. <laughs> okay. Yeah, love it. What's in the shop? What's in the shop? Just what's in your shop? A segment where handsome guys talk about your build. Crazy consumption that'll keep the Shop talk? You sure about this? That homie? sounded like ragtime. No oh, ragtime. Rag yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. I'll go with that. Didn't sound like a barber. Sorry. Shop were you, are you okay with the ragtime? Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. I'm there. I'm I mean, we could play. We could play death metal for him. Does he? Does Gail want to hear death metal? I remember ragtime as a boy. <laughs> <laughs> I do too, coming from my grandpa's uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Victrola. Well, grandpa is here. <laughs> I feel like he's talking about five stars. Five stars. Five stars. Yeah. Hotline. That's not no. What that would be talking uh, about like like, like a well, barbershop quartet type of deal, yeah, right? Har- they harmonize. Yeah, yeah. They didn't do a very good job of it, but they need. <laughs> no, there was no harmony there. No, <laughs> absolutely not. Uh, we need auto tune desperately. Well, yeah, and the, and they're old school barbers, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they shave your neck with a ra- spray razor. I have yeah. a, I have a barber that I go to, and he does the same thing. Yeah. He's old school barbershop. He sit in a nickel plated chair with horsehair stuffed cushions. And uh, he pulls out the straight razor at the end of the day and uh, or the end of the haircut, and he trims around my beard and gets all the ones that are on my back that are cu- coming through my collar. Yeah. I'm yeah, glad they're that. cutting those. Yeah. yeah he's, well, he's right on it. Yeah. It's, it's gross. And shout out for uh, Dane over at uh, Eagle and Pig Barber in Costa Mesa. Eagle and Pig. Yeah, it's awesome. So I'll tell you a funny story. I go in there, and he's like, hey, we're doing shots. And I'm like, that's why I love you guys. So they give me a shot. And so I took it, and everybody else in the shop looks at me. They go, "No, we do it together." (laughs) (laughs) So I figured out that's how you get a second Mm -hmm. shot. So uh, I walked into uh, one in Long Beach uh, by me, and the guys are all staring at the screen. And I, I, it's behind me, Mm -hmm. so walk through. And I turn around, and it's adult films. They're just watching adult films, drinking yeah, beers. I'm like, that's a barbershop. Now, you got to be careful, though. Yeah. They, they can be, you know, as long as they're slow rolling the beers because you don't want an uneven haircut. No. You don't want the experience to uh, overshadow the good haircut you came to uh, get, <laughs> is what I'm saying. All right. Well, we have uh, the one and only Mr. Gail Banks in our studio, which is actually his studio because we're uh, once again at... Uh, Banks to uh, to borrow the conference room, so we've got probably another week, and then we'll be back in our own studio. So thank you, Gail, for allowing us uh, the opportunity to to use some space here. Uh, we've had you on the show several times. Everybody loves hearing Gail, and we've talked about your history and sort of how you became an entrepreneur and and all that. What I'm really curious about in this conversation is something you and I have talked about lately, and that's really the industry and small business today. How banks has lasted. Six decades? Is that where we're at now? Sixty years? Yes, so, over. So over. Yeah, it's over sixty years. Yeah, it's sixty-four years. What it's like yeah. with all these venture capitals buying up the little guys now? All these like you know legendary brands. I want to talk about where you see the industry going. What your where you think the pitfalls are? All the things that that are kind of Gale Banks. While we have you here, sort of perspective on the landscape of 
small business and automotive. Mm-hmm. I think that is a really cool conversation to have. Can I start with an actual email? Because I think it might jump us sure. into this. Sure. Because uh, I put out the, the word. I said, hey, we've got Gail. Uh, send us your questions. And one of the first questions that came in was this. Hey, Gail, big fan. Have you ever been approached by one of the big capital firms to buy banks? Seems that with a company as solid as yours, it would be a valuable asset to their portfolio. Sentinel Capital Partners comes to mind. They own Holly and a bunch of other brands. Uh, don't stop inventing Jake Minwow from Dayton, Ohio. And so there's a list of Holly brands in front of Gail right now, which is, it's bizarre. Um, oh. I feel like that might, it's something that- Here's is, what I think is happening. Hmm. Uh, Gail's going to buy Holly. He's doing his due diligence right now. Oh, you think so? Yeah, I think he's just going to take <laughs> all of them. Yeah, there's some brands there I, I wouldn't want to buy. Uh, and there's some brands there I would want to want to buy. There's been weeks when I would get two or three offers. And it's gone on all through COVID. But it was there before COVID. Uh, it was there when I was in the marine engine business in the 70s. Literally. Because we had a a technology we were developing back then, and it started in the 60s, actually, early 60s. Uh, Names that we would know that approached you, like big marine companies or capital firms? Uh, big marine companies then, capital firms, since, since there's been capital firms, hmm. uh, you've got automotive enthusiasts. In capital firms, hey, let's buy banks. Many times it's, hey, we want to buy banks, similar to the uh, Sentinel buying Holly, or whoever first bought Holly, maybe it's continuously been Sentinel uh, from the very very first. Uh, Holly's been bought and sold in my career. I dealt with Holly, and we developed marine carburetors and performance carburetors way the hell back. In fact, the performance engineering guy for Holly back in the day, way back in the day, uh, left Holly to come here and worked at banks for a number of years. Hmm. Uh, then he went and took over his father's Mayflower Van Line franchise when his father retired or passed on. I can't remember which. Sharp guy. Anyhow, people want to acquire th- things they are enthusiastic about and can make money doing. Some of the former Holly acquisitions have been guys coming in uh, acquiring Holly, and then, as Sentinel has done, using that as a, th- a central uh, core enterprise, naming their entire uh, outfit Holly, even though it Holly ultimately comprises, I don't know, 30 or 40 brands. I've never been a, a, a guy uh, who wants to be acquired. I'm having too damn much fun doing this, and it, I don't say that casually. We've, we've had this conversation, you and I, yeah. about how uh, I don't think I'll ever retire because I like working too much, and you are committed to running this thing all the way to the end because well, yeah. you love working. Uh, I mean, as a guy who's 80 years old, I, I pump iron. You don't look a day over 68, times. <laughs> That's a huge compliment. You're welcome. Being healthy, not carrying a lot of weight, pumping iron, doing aerobic uh, stuff rowing is my current thing by the way this is him talking to us without talking to us i know i know 
<laughs> just, just so you're, just so we're on the same put page there, Lightning. It happens. It happens often. I know. I know. He goes, you, you, pudgy, schluppy. No, I'm not saying that. <laughs> uh, we are. But that picture uh, uh, of you and one of your mentors on uh, the police department in Huntington yep. Beach. Yeah. Uh, here, here's yeah. your, here's your, here, yep. on on Sean's. Uh, Oh yeah, Facebook. He, he's thin and uh-huh. and, uh, and, uh-huh. and he's a whole different guy. Yeah, yes, he yeah. is. I was pre yeah. that was pre motor trend. Yeah, mm-hmm. I actually weigh less than I did when I was in my twenties. Uh, <laughs> By the way, can I just because I've been wrestling <laughs> and I was wrestling at what was it two fifty two? Yeah, I like know. to. I'd like to interrupt really quick just because somebody wrote on our Facebook a question for you. Okay. Yeah, it's just too good. Are we live? Is this thing on? <laughs> yes, it's oh, on. Here. Oh, I didn't know. This oh, is on. We're live. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, we're recording live, but yeah. But somebody wrote. Uh, so you know, we posted. You know, Gail's. We're doing a podcast. You have questions, and this one just popped up as you were talking uh-huh. uh, about wrestling. Why do you still have lightning as an employee? Oh, <laughs> literally on her Facebook. <laughs> that hurts. Oh, that hurts. Sad me. trombone. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, what a shame. <laughs> uh, now we need to play sad music in the background. I don't think I you, have You no, don't have a no. button for that? I can put that okay. in later. <laughs> you should. Mm, I right. mean, when you start telling these sad stories, <laughs> you need background music. music. Something is just All right, back, no. back to, so, to Gail yeah. being so more fit now than So why is still here? Oh, yeah, if you want to go down that route. I don't want to. No, don't. <laughs> Please. Because he's, he's, he's taking pity on me. I don't I'm know. Not, oh no, I'm not taking pity on you. Jay Tillis brings something. Spunk. No, no, no. Uh, I I, I kind of side there, but but it wasn't a uh, <laughs> it wasn't a comment. It was me. There's probably a hundred reasons Jay is still here, and only ninety eight reasons why you wouldn't be here. So yeah. you're barely just treading yeah, about yeah, water. Number right one now. is He's I have I, 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 yeah. I have a photo with Gail and a chicken. That's I, what. Yeah. <laughs> Jay and I were friends before he came here, and I, you know, it's cool to work with your friends. Uh, Sometimes I push real hard, because I'm a racer, I want to go, I want to win, which money men and holding companies do not bring to speed equipment or automotive performance I think that's clear. Nope, they don't. They do not bring the quest to win. To kick somebody else's ass. I started a racer. I started, my company was Gail Banks Racing Engines. That was it. You know, I and I built engines for boats and I built engines for cars. Yeah, you you had to win the race to bring your brand to the next level. I mean, it was all tied together. Your your passion, the outcome of the business, the, well, well, the even more of the yeah, engine, even more important. His name was on well, that's every product. I understand. That's yeah. the brand I'm right. talking about, right? Yeah. It, it's that, not like, uh, you know, fast racing marine engines. Well, why no, is, it was Gale Banks. Why did General Motors just get announced that they're getting into F1, right? It's just, it's for branding. And if they yep. fail, that's going to look bad. Gale had to win races and did. That was it. So it started out local, but when you got into marine, it quickly became worldwide. You know, we got into the marine because guys building marine engines and guys buying marine engines, more specifically, 
could afford a better engine than a hot rod guy or a sprint car or whatever. And turbocharging added to that. Uh, you, you know, I got into turbocharging uh, probably 64, 63, 64, met the guy who ran TRW uh, turbocharger division, and they were turbocharging the Corvairs, working up to that, etc. So I ran those TRW design turbochargers on my marine engines. TRW, in infinite wisdom, sold off their t- turbo division to one of their customers. Yeah, but turbos were never destined to be popular. So, well, I mean, <laughs> you know, at the time, nobody understood. Turbo, never heard of her, right? No, nobody mm-hmm. understood them. Except this, for a little guy at a race shop making marine engines. Well, I started to understand them. I had to, you know, because I wanted to do this thing. Uh, I was doing belt-driven GMC 671s, 471s at the Superchargers, time. Superchargers, for those Superchargers, yeah. belt-driven. Uh, not turbine driven, turbo turbo. Those are the ones that are, if you uh, aren't familiar, if you've seen old hot rod and they're sticking up out of the hood and they've got that big pulley and that's, uh, that's yeah. what I'm talking about. That kind the of traditional thing you see on a top fuel dragster. Mm-hmm. Being a racer, you know you're only as good as the next article that you score with hot rod or powerboat magazine or motorboating, yachting, those types of magazines. The beauty was our high-performance car magazines didn't have the foreign penetration back then that the boating magazines had. Mm. And offshore racing was a worldwide and is a worldwide sport. So we built offshore racing engines. Had multiple benefits. The first one was we learned about engine durability because those races were a couple hundred miles. In the 70s, we got into races, which are worldwide river racing, endurance river racing. The longest one was 11 days. So wow. you, you gotta make big horsepower and make it live. There's lots of children today building engines, making phenomenal horsepower numbers for five to seven seconds. My life, you know, my life is hundreds of miles, hundreds of hours, you know, that type of thing. He's the opposite of the Vin Diesel line. I live my life at a quarter mile at a time. <laughs> yeah, well, a lot, of the, a, lot of, a lot of these guys, now it's an eighth mile at a time. Turbocharging was the key to durability. So the endurance racing, building endurance engines informed you informed your products there were other guys doing what you did but your products outlived them they ended up being safer like you were talking about the pedal monster before the show started Mm -hmm. these are products that have to they have to be every bit as good as the host vehicle i mean in many cases better they have to perform under excruciating circumstances and i think that builds the company through the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, you kept innovating. You've got an entire wall full of patents. Also, though, the and, uh, the earned media that came with it, too. Like, there were, I don't want to say, it wasn't stunts, but there were there were major touch points of a big deal, whether it was Pike's Peak or whether it was Mrs. Horcutt's driveway or whether mm-hmm. it was, there. in each of those decades, there was, there was a kind of a defining moment in media where banks 
was the big name with something going on that that well, brought you to more the, the next generation of customers. So I wanted to ask you. Well, go ahead. Well, we were innovating. The same engines were used in a variety of boats in a variety of racing configurations. Nobody was doing it. Naturally, we got ink. And then uh, in the 80s, we did things then. World's first, at least in the United States, first car tested, street machine. Uh, one of my bank's twin-turbo GT Firebirds. Uh, first street car test at over 200 miles an hour, 204 miles an hour on the street in the early 80s. They didn't know we had gone. We had sold a car to a customer in Joburg, South Africa, who'd done 243 in their speed trials, but he drove the car to the speed trials and drove it home again, Peter Manellis. 243 miles an hour in the early 80s. What's the fastest you've ever been? Not counting like an airplane on a runway, in a four-wheeled vehicle. Oh, four-wheel? I've been faster on a two-wheel vehicle. The fastest I've been is on a a GSX-R750. I think it was 154. That's pretty fast. Yeah. So what happens when you go 154 miles an hour? Scared the absolute crap out of me. Well, you're on a bike. Yeah. If you did it in a car, I call, that's a lower end of warp speed. Mm-hmm. The faster you you go, especially in a boat, you like to read the water in front of the boat Mm. so you don't run over a log or a pallet or whatever. But the problem is, if you've got a boat that's well over 100 miles an hour, like a cat boat, those things, or a a surface effect boat, what we call tunnel boats. Those things are amazing right up to the point where they decided to become a lift body. They became, uh, yeah. <laughs> we, we ran tunnel boats starting with a Jones, which was a big, Jones built an unlimited hydroplane. They decided to drive the Sponsons all the way to the back of the boat. Now you got a tunnel boat. It had zero compression ratio in the tunnel. To unwet the boat, you had to bring the, the bow up. It's actually a two, like a pickle fork bring that up and to Sean's uh, point, the transition zone from boat to airplane <laughs> mm-hmm. would be bam, real quick. We ran the Jones up at Castaic testing it back in the day. Lou Brunette owned the Jones. He went out, tested it. Then I wanted to test, refine the engine. So I went out and he told me, go up Lake Turn around as you come back. When you come past that point of land on the right, you'll pick up headwind. And we had an airspeed indicator and a water speed indicator on the on the instrument panel. He says you'll see the airspeed start going up. Tuck in the drive. It's a stern drive. Tuck in the drive. Glue that thing in, or you'll fly it. Mm. So. That's what I did. <laughs> I came around that. I'd be tucking point. something else. I mean, I am, I am buzzing that engine. We're at 7,200 RPM. This thing is fast. I see the point of land. I'm watching, watching. I wanted to continue the warp speed experience. And I couldn't read the water in front of me at all. It all goes to a blur. Uh, warp speed with, with trees by the side of the road, they go to a blur. Wow. 
the phone poles look like picket fences, and they're blurry. That's warp speed. you got to get well over 200 to experience a wicked-ass warp speed. So Jack Rex gets in the boat. He's going to be the co-driver. He goes up lake, comes back. We're standing, Lou and I are standing on the pier just past that point of land. And Lou's looking at the boat. He looks at me and he says, right about there is when he's going to... Oh, and then there, he blew it over. No. Uh. Yeah. And it went almost 360 degrees backflip. The fork, uh. you know, the pickle forks yeah. went in and it mousetrapped. It uh. just slammed it on its back in the water. And as we know, when you hit water, the surface tension is a lot like it's like a, a rock, solid yeah. object. Yeah, we had a shoot jacket on Jack, so he went out when the boat was upside down going backwards. He went out through the plexiglass windscreen, did his ribs in. I mean, Ugh. when we got to him, luckily he was floating face up. He was face up, he was, was unconscious, and he wasn't breathing very well. Mm. And we fished him out. They didn't um, have Hans devices or anything in those days either, no, right? Oof. No. He, it was rough for him. Uh, but he survived, and best I, I know, he's still with us. And he has a hell of a story for the bar and his grandkids. <laughs> I can't imagine how scary that would be. And, and it happens like I, I've been, never been in a crash like that, fortunately, knock on wood. But I recall snowboarding in Mammoth. And I'm snowboarding and I'm having a good time and I hit a patch of ice and I went down so fast Mm -hmm. that I have no recollection of going down. I just know that my arms must have gone out in front of me to try to stop me because when I got up, my my shoulders were not connected to like I had dislocated both both shoulders, right? Yeah. And and so I couldn't move my arms. Yeah. I hit so hard, but it happened (sighs) so quickly. And I, I was able to, kind of barely sit up and I go why can't I reach out and neither I don't know what the bones are <laughs> called here but they just weren't connected to the sockets anymore by about an inch Yeah, and so they finally came up got me a stretcher and halfway down the hill I'm bouncing in the stretcher and they, and they in? both popped in Yeah, so oh, I get to the bottom and a... I could feel them pop in Yeah, that is... for, for almost <laughs> five years that's probably the least painful way of putting them back yes. oh, for yeah. about five years I couldn't skate on the half pipe anymore and behind my house I had just built a half pipe in my parents backyard you weren't and, throwing and, uh, rocks at Robbie uh, no I wasn't okay. I had built a nice little half pipe you swing your arms when you go through the transition to gain momentum. And every time I would swing my arm up to gain momentum, it would drop out of its socket in my yeah. right arm. And yeah. it was just ungodly. Oh, okay. And it lasted for a while. Let's, uh, but let's, I, I, we can move on from I guess the, it's, it's uh, the bodily injury podcast. Sorry, sorry. It, the, the speed with which I hit the snow was, I would imagine, it's as fast as that guy launched. Reminds me when it shattered my elbow, but let's not go mm. there. <laughs> Is Donald Brock traded on the New York Stock Exchange? I don't know. Let's find out. Holly is. Yeah, Holly took a big old nosedive. And it's a sad story. Yep. But before we talk about Holly's current stock price, there's race-winning brands out there. That's quite a consortium. There's Edelbrock. That's quite a consortium. The thing about the speed equipment industry, which is what we used to call SEMA, Speed Equipment Manufacturers Association, 
which morphed into a specialty equipment down the line. Uh, and then spe- specialty equipment marketing association. Market, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it morphed into speed equipment marketing association. Mm-hmm. And then it, now I think it's specialty. Yeah, equipment, specialty equipment markets association. Which is all inclusive. Wheels, yep. tires, everything. suspension, yeah. everything. Uh, electronics inside the car. So instrumentation engine controls, what have you. Yep. We've always, I've never shied away from electricity. Yeah. Uh, that was my other vice when I was uh, in high school, was hot rods and electrons. My first car build was an electric three-wheeled tractor to mow the lawn, <laughs> radio controlled, <laughs> yep. pulse code radio controlled, uh, 1958. Same year I sold my first engine. So how does that make you feel about what I feel is the forced adoption of EV? We've talked about it a gazillion times, you and me, and then on the show also us, but there's a place for it's it. It's a performance tool. Yeah, I, I, I think there's a place for it. Not but pure electric at this point, not pure yeah. electric. Yeah, I think I think hybrid is where it's at moving forward. I well, think. I just like shit that goes bang. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, 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 there's no emotion to None. No. Zero. I drove my 392 here today, and it... If you like driving an emasculated automobile, (laughs) drive a a Tesla or whatever. If you like what goes bang, put a 392 in a Jeep. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I gave Rich and his crew a ride because I had to pick them up at Bud, so I brought the 392. It's a beautiful truck, by the way. They got in it, and I put it in the off-road plus mode, where it does the quick shifts, and it's like... You know, and it's oh, just yeah. like, and the guys Loving are giggling. They yeah. are laughing. They're like, oh my God, this is a Jeep. I mean, it's just, it's the thing does zero to six in under five seconds. It has 37 inch tires. It, so it, here's, here's the deal. Incredible. Mopar and performance might be, when you, when you talk about big inch, badass American performance, mm-hmm. they're the only guys left. They actually advertise it. They spend donuts. In advertising. Although, right. did you hear you the know, news yeah, this week? They, they do. Ford Performance is apparently coming back. Oh, they had well, shuttered it. And or minimized or whatever. Now yeah, minimized staff, right? And now they're bringing people now, in. Now, I guess, crate engines and all that kind of stuff is mm. coming back. I didn't, I didn't catch the whole thing because I was at SHOT Show, so I got to follow up on it. But yeah. I was like, well, tell me more. And, of course, GM still has performance crate engines. Which is uh, now not instead of GM performance parts, it's Chevy performance parts. Okay, it's Chevy performance parts, uh, a division of GM. But they just announced the 6.6-liter truck-based performance crate engine. Yeah, saw that. Yeah. The uh, gas version. The gas version. The gas yes. version. Which it yeah. needs it because the gas version sucks in a truck, let me tell you. Well, they're about 403 horsepower. Yeah, it doesn't feel like one it. One per inch in a truck motor. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, I was very unimpressed when we tested that in the heavy duties. I thought that engine compared to what Ford was offering, even the 6.4 Hemi, I thought, you know, even though it's a peaky engine, it just the, the Chevy, at least in the version we tested in the 2500 HD work truck, it just didn't feel like girthy to me. Was like eh, okay. might be calibration. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times, you safe the engine and you safe the gearbox through well, no calibration. <laughs> I call it D rate. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm not going to comment. I I haven't looked at, at the calibration. I just when I drove but, it, it was like, eh, okay, great. Yeah. You know, all ICE performance engines in vehicles or trucks D rate. They protect themselves. 
how aggressive that is, I, I can't tell you. Uh, but I can tell you in a car or, or a Jeep or whatever, I can tell you in a diesel pickup, and we tune, we honor the, their D-rate system. We bring you the performance without violating grossly their limits. So you can stay in the loud pedal for hours and still have a good performance increase rather than six or seven seconds. You know, if you go to 10 seconds, 40 horsepower goes away or all your gain goes away. Literally, the guys will smoke out the DPF, the diesel particulate filters. They overtemp the exhaust, huge derate there instantly. Mm -hmm. Uh, Overspeed the trans during shifts? Oh, Mm -hmm. there's an RPM limit during shifts. A lot of these guys blow through that RPM limit, and it takes out huge amounts of power, huge, for two or three seconds. So I remember when we were testing Holman, I don't, I don't remember if, if you know this or not, we were testing a tune, I think it was a Ford. Okay. And Gail is over here on Aon, or one of the streets behind our building, and he's matting no, it. No, he was in Mexico. I'm sorry, he was in Mexico. Okay. We were yeah. in Mexico All where right. we do our testing. And he mats it, and during the shifts, it would derate so badly, his head would go forward. It was like a, like a, like a bubble head. He was, he was expecting it to keep th- you know, accelerating. Yeah, bur- My head kept hitting the windshield. Right. That's I, how bad it gets. I didn't know about that until he printed the graphs to prove what he was feeling. He goes, this is really derating during the shifts. Like, they're overfueling it, and it's causing all of these ills. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the truck is withdrawing the power. It doesn't want to be overspun. It doesn't want the EGT side. It doesn't want, like, all these negative things. So then he prints out the graph. We look at it, and there's these huge troughs in the graph where it would fall and the, the, and the power, engine, the power yeah the yeah. power would be pulled out by the ecm trying to compensate for the additional fueling or the heat or the overspinning transmission or all these things and um that was really interesting to see i'm curious so then they advertise the the power number which you can only enjoy for five or six seconds <laughs> right <laughs> right you know it's ridiculous and this goes back to the endurance but your background. fuel economy is gone because they're just pissing raw fuel. Right. The oldest diesel horsepower trick is black smoke. Everybody back into the late 30s, when the diesel came to the United States, people started overfueling them to gain performance. <laughs> just unbelievable guys in the midwest or in the rockies where the companies are where the air is pretty clear can put up this smoke signature uh, like a, a symbol of their manhood <laughs> you've got nothing guys i feel when i was the editor of diesel power we didn't talk about dpf deletes and we never showed smoke on a vehicle that had a license plate on it and because I was of the feeling that we didn't want to hasten our own demise for the the sport that we loved and the tuning of diesels and all that. Well, here we are because of regulations. Mm-hmm. And, and let me back it up a little bit. I was on a Jeep Gladiator forum and everybody's like, we need to write Jeep a letter and tell them to bring back the D- Eco Diesel Gladiator or excuse me, the, I'm sorry, the Eco Diesel Wrangler because mm-hmm. it's only available in the Gladiator now. And I said, you guys don't understand. A letter writing campaign at this point, it's not, that's, you're, that ship has sailed. You could have 500,000 of you want it, but the problem is 
because of regulations, because of the emissions, because of the cost and all the other things. There's no letter writing campaign. Even if you half a million of you said you're going to buy it, that's going to bring that back. Yeah. And we're at the point where Ford has dropped diesel from F-150. Ram has dropped uh, EcoDiesel from Ram. Jeep has dropped EcoDiesel from uh, from Wrangler, but not Gladiator yet, but mm-hmm. it will be. The only real uh, Colorado 2.8, gone. Uh, the only diesel light duty really left, I think, is the three liter in the Chevy and the GMC uh, 1500s because that engine is so new, it was designed for the regulations and everything. But true, you know, the life cycle of all these other engines, you look at the Colorado, that 2.8 Vimatori engine dates back all the way to the CRD Jeep Liberty. I mean, it's and beyond really and before that. Like, that was an old engine. But uh, all the Volkswagen stuff's gone. All the light-duty diesel BMW stuff's gone. All the Mercedes stuff is gone. And, you know, Mercedes was one of those companies that was known for light-duty diesels for, for decades in S-classes and things like that. Mm-hmm. All gone. Is light duty diesel dead for all intents and purposes? Probably. In the US? Yeah. Probably. The three liter GM is uh L Z zero is say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's probably what uh, thirty thousand of them a year or something like that. That's about right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh it's no it's not huge, but it's worth doing. Yeah. It's a quirky design. A lot of that engine was designed outside of GM, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I've got the whole design exercise. I can't remember it was exactly who, who it was. Might have been done in Italy. Uh, a lot of that stuff is. But it works, and it appears that it'll be the last man standing in uh, trucks, yeah, in light trucks anyway. Yeah. Um, I mean, they've just gone. They went from the LM2, now it's the LZ0. And they did some upgrades and stuff to it. Yeah, they did. And well, we've... Not won a lot of business, but, you know, what you call the uh, Jeep diesel uh, really started as a design exercise at, at Via Motori in Centro Italy near Bologna. And that was originally, that diesel, a version of it, was originally going to be a uh, V6 and a Cadillac too, right? 2.9 liter. Yeah. Uh, at the time, I think Penske owned Yeah, half Penske had half. Yeah. GM has owned half of it at one time to my recollection and now it's it's all Stellantis yeah Italy is their their kind of center of excellence for, for diesel stuff yeah. yeah Fiat is that aspect of all of it Fiat bought everybody out ultimately and they owned Via Maturi and then Stellantis was formed and that's Mopar and Fiat and who else? Peugeot? Yeah, now uh, the French is involved, and it's weird. Yeah. I, not to go too far or down the rabbit hole. Is it Renault or Peugeot or somebody? It, yeah. I think it's Peugeot. it's Peugeot. We're doing stuff. We represent them. We're doing development program, high, hybrid stuff right now. We've been in it. I think we're going to do a lot. Of Are we allowed hy- to talk hybrid, about that? Hybrid military. We, we can talk about that a little bit? It not exactly re- sure. Actually, <laughs> actually, the fact that we're doing... A hybrid development for the Army was released. It's public. Uh, I don't want to... Uh, we just can't do I, any details on yeah. that. Yeah, I don't want to go happening. any further. Yeah. So what, yeah. You're, what you're saying is uh, Gail Banks Engineering is not just about diesel and turbos. You also have an arm that has the capability of electrification. 
Yes. And you guys can pivot moving forward to wherever the industry is uh, taking you. Well, you know, we're putting out both a V8 diesel and a V8 twin-turbo gasoline hybrid package in the aftermarket. Is that just being announced here right now, Lightning? I think it is. I is, think is, it is. Is he getting ahead of your marketing? I, uh, I can tell you right now, I haven't written the press release, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you got yeah. it first, right here, right yeah. out of Gail's mouth. Uh, we're uh, going to do a diesel Pikes Peak effort. Paul Dallenbach will be driving it at Pikes Peak. Uh, this year, I'm helping him with his open-wheel Buick uh, turbo alcohol engine in his open-wheel effort. We were going to go this year, 23, uh, but he, he wants to do this open wheel thing. The weather has prevented him getting to the top. They shortened the event. Yeah, yeah. So last year, he, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was very wet. It was very wet, and uh, yeah, you couldn't see even they the ran They ran to the you. top last year. Uh, and I, had a rough time doing it. Yeah, yeah it cleared up at the, the top. The, the, the year before, they stopped about half way up and called it a race but nobody compares the time halfway to anything else it's like guys who hit home runs you know if you were juiced there's a little asterisk by the there should be oh yeah uh hopefully there is there should be i have booed barry bonds in person it felt good oh really Uh, yeah did you really yeah i did (laughs) petco park padres versus giants yeah right behind my home plate just gave him hell. Yeah, it was more than boo. We go far, far afield on that one. <laughs> yes, yes, we're, we're, we're touching a lot of things here, but I wanted to, since, since we're talking so about... So we do outside engineering. We first sold engines to the Navy in 1976 for the underwater demolition team Frogmen, UDT Frogmen, before they were called SEALs. So Navy, on and off, has been, been a customer of ours since then. I don't think many people know that about banks, that... It's a large engineering firm that has no. I mean, no, no. I'm I'm laughing because I'm thinking of Gail's story. I remember coming here one time, <laughs> and there was a giant, I don't know, sixty foot gray boat. Boat, yeah. Like back by the wall, and he goes, "You don't see that." Yeah, <laughs> but it's, it's, massive. it's a giant gray boat in your warehouse. Of course, I see it. He's like, "No, no, no, you don't see it." I'm like, "Gail, it's right there." No, you don't see well, it. There's, there's a vehicle right now that I walked like Rich Holdaway and and his crew. They, I gave him a tour last night when they came in, uh-huh. and I'm like, "You're not seeing that thing right there." And they're like, "I guess we're not. It's massive, but I guess we're not seeing it." I'm like, "You're not. Nope. No phones. No nothing." I just, so, I just have to laugh. I don't think a lot of people. Most of our listeners know Gale and Banks, the brand, for aftermarket performance parts, I would assume. That's fair. And I don't think many people know that he is... So there's GBE, uh, he, Gale he, Banks Engineering, Yep. and then there's Banks Power. So one is the consumer-facing, and one is... Gale Banks Engineering owns Banks Power, but what it does is far bigger than Banks Power. Much in the way Used for yeah. Adventure owns Truck Famous LLC. Mm, I see how it works. <laughs> and GBE, the uh, first contract was... Oh, about in 69, yeah, the jet boat. Limiting speed valve gear analysis. The guys were, were unloading jet boats, and the, the valve gear, you know, daylighting the jet intake. Uh, I mean unloading meaning coming off the throttle? Co- no. No, what do you mean? At full throttle. Oh, okay. Coming out of the hole or uh, also daylighting the intake on the jet drive. 
Oh, it's overspinning. It's coming out of the water. Overspinning it. Oh, yeah. Okay. We came up with a design for Chevrolet at that time: valve spring, retainer, and that's all all it took, really, because the warranty exposure was huge for them. Hmm. But they were buying engines left and right. So we also did a, a marine engine racing program for Oldsmobile. Won the Jet Boat Championship, uh, American Power Boat, and National Jet Boat Association. Two different associations. We, we were national points champion in both. With an Oldsmobile engine running against Chevy Big Blocks, a 455 Olds. Uh, How did we do it? I redesigned the cylinder head. That's how we did it. You know, well, the other part was we made the oil system work at 5,200 RPM where it wouldn't before. Guys were trying, but they were failing. Turns out you uh, need uh, cooling and lubrication at those uh, RPMs. Yeah, you do. (laughs) And you need air, uh, air density specifically through the engine. We worked for Oldsmobile in 1970. Uh, We worked for Chevrolet. Two different programs. One was in a marine engine racing program. Mm-hmm. And those were Gail Banks Engineering, yeah. right? Yeah. And so how it works, again, is Gail Banks Engineering is the parent company. It's also the one that um, you can hire for your large engineering project. Banks Power is the consumer-facing, the one that I work for. We make the performance parts. And Banks Tech is the engine assembly plant that's next door that currently makes all the engines for the joint light tactical vehicle. If you come down, uh, you know, uh, was it Dugan Street? Is that yeah. how you pronounce it? Yeah. It's like the Banks campus here. Building it is. There, yeah. Building there. Building I wish there. we owned one more so we could just uh, fence off the street. Wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> I think that if we owned one more, we own like 60% of the street, then well, we could fence it and call like Gail Banks Way or something. Uh, yeah. Coffee and donuts. <laughs> yeah, we could Saturday do that too. Saturday mornings, yeah. Or just donuts. You just and me donuts. after work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just block off the street. Uh-huh. Yeah. Now, we got to circle back to the VC stuff, right? Okay. I know, I know Gail was talking oh, yeah, about yeah. Holly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've, I have a friend who, I've got several friends, actually, who were impacted by their brand being purchased by a bigger brand and lost their jobs to it. Was that AEM? Uh, was might be one of them. Okay, uh, but there's others out there, and as they consolidate and move these places and centralize them from their decentralized locations, and as the stock price becomes a driving factor, it seems like. And, and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say this from my opinion only. This is not Holly specific. I'm just gonna say that it seems that there are some VCs that have handled some brands really well that have been good stewards of the brands they picked up. And then there are other ones that are very driven by the almighty stock price. And it seems like they are watering down the history, the legacy of these important brands. They're they're watering down the brand equity, getting rid of the people that are the ones that are innovating and creating the product. And then I don't know what they're gonna do with the brands. And it seems like this is an, a repeated thing in the industry right now where big company by his little company blows people out you know, has an extra brand, but now that the now that the economy is starting to sputter and interest rates are so high, at what point do they start spinning these brands out after they've taken all of their worth and now they maybe don't have that equity in the name anymore? Gail, you've seen this over and over again in the industry. This is a a cyclical thing. What is I mean, what's your take on that? Uh, my take is uh, cycles. There's business 
cycles, first of all. I think there's an industry uh, thing going on here as well. The entire industry. Aftermarket performance parts? SEMA. Let's call it SEMA. Okay. And I hope hope I'm wrong. In the case of uh, acquisitions, a bunch of us, I think I'm the sole survivor. There's you and a couple of companies. I, I would say, if you look at the landscape, you've got banks, which is independent. Mm-hmm. And there's another massive industry within automotive, the suspension industry. Mm-hmm. And the only independent big player anymore are the McCurries at Skyjacker. And they are fiercely independent and fiercely want to stay on there. And you start looking around the other, those medium and big size businesses. So you have business cycles. We're softly entering a very, very mild recession right now. It's different for different industries. Of course, when you have a severe recession, uh, it hits everybody. There's no place to hide. This will be my ninth, I think. Some of them have been really severe, severe, but they brought market opportunities. The first one I was in in, uh, was prior to the biggie for me, which was 1973, 74. That would be the oil crisis period? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that was hugely impactful uh, on the racing engine, uh, boat engine, etc. So what did we do? We went pure torque and fuel economy. I came out with headers with 60-inch primaries if you, and smaller tube diameters and tuned the headers. They weren't all 60-inch, but similar shorter. But I tuned the headers to the torque peak of the engine. That's where the engine is naturally most efficient. That's why the torque peak is there, and you usually accompanied with peak cylinder pressure. I just emphasize that. And worked with Holly, oddly enough, to come up with mileage carburetors uh, and uh, make them part of my package. I trademarked the U.S. trademark power pack. That's what I call those packages. And lots of pickup trucks. We also came out with saddle tanks. Our marine oil pan, 14-quarter oil pans, weren't selling a lot of boat engines. Guys weren't going boating. So we started making saddle tanks. You know, trucks had had like 18-gallon tanks. And today you can't even make a gas tank for an extended range gas tank for a vehicle because of all the EPA. You can do it for diesel. Well, we still had to meet the Department of Transportation regulations for those tanks but i think today it's so it's much EPA, harder though. because of epa versus oh, oh emissions emissions yeah. evaporative emissions um, mm-hmm. yeah we, we didn't have that barrier so we just rocked and rolled trailer life magazine uh it's love some reading of the, those some of the truck labels motorhome magazine the products were loved by the guys who bought them you know we had like a half a percent warranty which is wonderful if you're not in the industry, to me, less than 2% warranty, uh, you're a magician, uh, and your product quality is, is off the charts. So you're saying that you pivoted during these downturns, you created other products, and then you did uh, yeah, probably you, better than expected. You got a skill set. Uh, the rest of the guys just suffered. They didn't take their skill set and repurpose it. We always do. You know, when you come out of the recession, you want the same crew. You don't want them scattered all over the place. and uh, you, you lose a little bit of your soul when that happens. And the, the, you just hit a key element. 
these companies, you know, you, know, you mentioned some of these suspension companies and what yeah. have you. Who founded them? Have, have they been around 60 years? Huh? No, they haven't. There wasn't a big off-road truck suspension and none of that yep. jazz. When it comes to the performance industry, the guys who founded it, their names were on the products. Their names. Right, it was Hearst, it was Edelbrock. You, you it was, had Vic Edelbrock, George yeah. Hearst, Gail Banks. Uh, Offenhauser. Offenhauser, Wyand. Iskey. Oh, Iskey, of course. My, my mentor, Ed Iskandarian. I mean... Not so much anymore, People though. identify with the individual as well as the product. It's just like the back of the magazine day where it was David Freiberger from Hot Rod or Rick Payway from Peterson's 401 Off-Road. They, the person was as tied to the product... And, and those things... Well, you're talking about the young guys right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well... Yeah. Uh, they, but l- look at the brands. That's still true today. It's, still, it's, it's, it's true with whether it's denim jeans or it's true for performance parts as people gravitate to other humans they trust. They gravitate to authoritative, podcast. educated podcasts. Where Same it is, they, 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 they find their interest in a person and they buy into that brand. And I think there, Banks is no exception. Gail has legions well, of fans. I mean, last well, night. You, you also had you know, Stu Hilborn, Hilborn Fuel Injection. Yeah. You had Carol Shelby, Halibrand. That was a guy uh, doing wheels. Gary Hooker, Hooker Headers. Mallory, Boots Mallory. He was a younger guy, my age, kind of. It's going through the the Holly catalog of uh, companies here. Yeah. And people identified with the guy. I was like, I know these people. And we were out racing each other. Uh, Simpson, safety equipment. That was a guy. People can identify with an individual. All he needed to do is be present. Put himself out there. We'd go to the races, and we were all out there. The magazines were there. To my knowledge, those brand names are still there, but the guys are not. Mm-hmm. I'm, I believe, the sole survivor, the last one of, of those guys. A lot of them got bought out. They agreed to non-competes, you know, five-year non-compete, whatever. A lot of them agreed to consult. They retained their office, but they didn't retain their soul. And that right there is the challenge. So if you're a racer, and this company and myself, every form of racing you can think of, short Formula One and NASCAR, we've done and we've done well. And we're about to do some more. I think yeah. you just touched on earlier Pikes Peak, but yeah. that's going to be a, a massive endeavor. Which is a short road race. <laughs> but it's, it's a solo. Lots of steering, it's a solo. Lots of steering. You know, you're talking about you know, when, when those guys get bought out. Lenati made Conrad's and crankshafts and what have you. Uh, Holly tried to bring that production in, in-house in Bowling Green, as I recall. Didn't work out too well. Nanati wasn't there to drive the quality. It, there's good people at Holly. There's one I can think of I'd hire right now. 
but he won't come back to California, and I don't blame him. You know, <laughs> he's got his twenty acres. He's got his riding mower. He, he's starting to collect tractors, and <laughs> <laughs> he's a cool guy. Uh, Hopefully, one of those is a Ford Nine N. A Ford Nine so, N. Yeah, is that the one that your uh, your uh, uncle has? Uh-huh. Got, got a it. Ford Nine or, or a Porsche well, or Lamborghini. Those both started out as tractor manufacturers. You know, my R model, John Deere. What a badass tractor that thing is. Nothing runs like a deer. Well, so that's the way I hear it. It was the R model. That is a man's tractor. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love it. First diesel was the R. Won the Nebraska drawbar competition the year it was introduced. It could pull more than anything out there. Can I ask you a quick, a quick question about that, Gail? Have you ever turbocharged something... Silly like a tractor just because you could. Like suddenly you were tinkering in the garage and you're like, you know, this tractor just needs a little bit more and I'm going to put a, you know, a, a turbo on it. Uh, the silliest would be a uh, Model A. That doesn't sound silly. That sounds awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it just well, looks wrong. Was that a flathead? It, yeah. It was a flathead. Well, it, like, it just looks wrong. You, you, <laughs> you, did, a, you did a trike? Was that turboed? Oh, that crazy trike. Oh, You've also oh. done Jay Leno's tank car, which I know it's a no, car. No, I know, but, like, but those are those are like bespoke actually, bills. I'm talking yeah. about something where Gail like walked out into his porch like one a, day, like a lo- like, riding lawnmower, and I like, scratched his chin and went, "You know, if only that thing over there had a turbo <laughs> on it." And then he went and did it because why not? Uh-huh. My wood chipper with a three cylinder diesel, <laughs> and my, my three cylinder diesel lawn, lawn tractor. One's a John Deere. The lawn tractor, they have, I usually keep my wood chipper in Yosemite at about 4,400 feet of altitude. No smoke at that, but... You know what, Gail? I think I need to go up there to verify. I need to verify that. I'll I'll be happy to go up there uh, Both of you you. need to go up there. It's getting near done, isn't it? Yes, it is. That's another conversation. He has a V8 house. And I in, have a in VHG. Yosemite in the national park <laughs> that is absolutely jaw dropping. Yeah, and, I've seen and that, pictures. It is amazing. The, 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 yeah, that's it's a story 90% in itself. Ninety percent finished. Yeah, yeah. So he's got all the Holly brands, eleven by seventeen printout of all the Holly brands, which got to be like I feel like it's sixty brands. Yeah. And then to your right, you have Holly stock price, yeah, which I see God, a, a single day and a and a five year, and I see Holly not doing hot. Well, and let I, me talk about just uh, this year. I can give you some five year numbers. But the thing that shocked me is what happened uh, spring of 22. Five-year uh, high, uh, $14.68 a share. Five-year low, $2.03. Ouch. That mm. has happened since the spring of 22. You'd think you'd keep trucking along, but... Something happened, and I think what happened is free money, a lot of that free COVID yeah. money, for God knows what reason. Uh, there's some state money. There's federal money. There's funny money. Uh, there's hugely wasted money. Yep. Huge fraud uh, by individuals and companies. I look at Holly, and I go, these guys, long-term investors in Holly. Well, if you invested, oh, probably about mid 
2021 at a high. That's at $14.68, somewhere in there. And you hit $2.03? Oh, my God. I'd have, I'd have ate my 38 or my <laughs> 45, my 1911, you know. You understand why people, 80% loss, nominally 80%, it shocks me because it's a statement not of what they acquired, but more how they've managed it. Because banks has grown. We're 20-some percent this January over last January. It is, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, what's going on here? And their portfolio of brands is, in, is incredible. It is stellar. And deep and wide. Yes. And I, I may be... And some of those brands are carrying the day, and a lot of them aren't. The ones that aren't reflect in the stock price. So the, the advisors, the stock pundits, some say hold Holly, some say sell Holly, a few say buy Holly. The analysis is mixed. Is this Holly or is this the industry in general or the economy in general? I don't know, but I'm not buying Holly stock. I've always bought banks stock. I wish you freaking would sell some so I could get in on this. (laughs) In other words, pound it back into the business. Yeah. Do new things. I don't need bank it's stock. Ex- yeah. I've got Gail as a friend. It keeps my heart yeah. pumping. <laughs> yeah. well, that, my, 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 my stock is in the old man over here because we go out to breakfast or we need to start. Hey, we've tried. We're going to lunch today. <laughs> we're going to lunch today. Yeah. Okay. Well, so one of the questions that I had was on my on my list, and, and I know we have limited time with you today. Yeah. <laughs> one of my questions was, how have you kept banks relevant? And I, I think we've answered this over and over well, and over look, again I, in this I, podcast so far. Is that you, you've you've pivoted? I look you've at innovated. An, I look yep. at an industry. You kept and your say, crew and kept the good ones around. What, what product in this industry do I want for myself? <laughs> and how well do I want to engineer it? How well do I want it to wear in the marketplace? My whole thing about the market is performance comes in many flavors. Durability, of course, has to be there. So I don't want to come to your house, eat a fine meal with you, and then go out in the kitchen and break all the crockery, break your dishes. Your dishes, figuratively, that's your engine. That's your vehicle. That's your powertrain. Whatever I do has to wear well, or I, I, my name's not on it. And many times, I don't make a lot of money because I can't just sell it for more than the other guy, more than 10% more, unless it's not comparable to the other, other guy. We're doing that and have been doing that with cold air intakes for years. Now I've patented on a cold air intake it's just going to blow the market away. We've talked about it actually a little bit on the show, yeah. the, the air mass control module in the and, new 20-plus Duramax and, applications. Yes, that's the first application of that technology. Uh, I've come out with a patented exhaust tip, the, the sidekick, 
Yeah, Holman was holding the I tip was, yeah. the other the other day in his hand. It was it was the other one that's on the yeah. Oh well, I was <laughs> every time I come in the conference room, I like to talk you through your exhaust tips. Yeah. <laughs> that's not a euphemism either. Yeah, <laughs> we actually have exhaust tip design that scavenges. It pulls a partial vacuum on the the tailpipe. Some would say this uh, podcast is a partial vacuum, <laughs> vacuum. and uh, yeah, hey, scavenges yeah, hey, out of you and me yeah. a bunch of uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> a bunch of hot so, air. And uh, you know, oil system. If you're building engines, our oil pan designs, we have, and we've done close to twenty thousand of them for military now. It removes parasitic horsepower, drops oil temperature, removes aeration because you're not beating. The out of the oil and it does it in a revolutionary way I've never had a patent application where everything I claimed got okayed or approved by the patent office I did it on this one so I think when you are innovating and you're this far out in front they go through and and they must I don't know what a patent attorney the people inside the USPTO oh it's always a different patent uh, yeah but they're looking at it and they're like well this is unlike anything else approve and they they do all the but they they research every claim deeply so i think that's why it normally takes two and a half to three years it's just very deeply researched i think this goes along with uh maintaining relevance Mm -hmm. in the marketplace right innovating all that because if we 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 talked about magnaflow just bought camberg which yeah. on the surface, you would sit there and you go, well, oh, here's another brand buying somebody else. But it's yeah. a little bit different. Whereas the VCs are coming in and they're buying a bunch of brands for their portfolio for the stock price. Sure. Magnaflow is an exhaust manufacturer. So my guess Who is there's Magnaflow. I think Magnaflow. Yeah. It's I, a pure. I believe pure, so. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think they're seeing the writing on the wall is we have to diversify our product offerings because internal combustion engines are going to be less there's in the going future. To be, there's going to be less and, and yeah. less exhaust systems. So they bought a suspension yeah. company. And uh-huh. so what, as, you know, I think we've covered a little bit in this podcast, but that's part of your electrification push. You're still doing performance part, but mm-hmm. as a company that's traditionally rooted in ice performance, are there, yeah. are there any worries on the horizon for the longevity of the company um, when you look at the landscape ahead of you in the future? I queried the guys the other day. There's some outfit here in California doing Tesla performance. Yeah, there's a couple companies. Not a, a thing that, that company does has to do with power. No, it's it's wheels, tires, suspension, right. um, aero, aero, yeah. aero mods. And uh, I, I saw the guy interviewed that owns the company, Sharp Cokie. I mean. I uh, worked with him at SEMA yeah. on my uh, EV panel that I hosted. There you go. So There you go. Uh, but I'm a power guy. I love aero. I love suspension. All the other stuff. Uh, I'm becoming more a powertrain guy. We've done transmissions in the past, and clutches, torque control was my clutch line for years and years and years. The more we got into computer control of an engine with the early eight-bit processors and all that jive. You know, the the more I worked with guys like uh, Jim Curry on, on the detonation sensor program at GM, we, we did a lot of Buick turbo stuff, starting with the pace cars in the late 70s. 
we work for a lot of OEMs. Uh, we did the first uh, turbo prototypes for Volvo back 78 or so. Doing work for OEMs, new concepts, all that jive. None of the other guys do that. They're not engineering companies. They're, they're and, aftermarket companies. And the military, the stuff that yeah. we are doing, the Gilbanks Engineering is doing for the military. Well, and the thing is, is trickle down. very new and very but, but you get that trickle down to the rest of the business because you have that corporate knowledge. And there's a what somebody told me once that like Boeing had to do an all new airplane every 20 years or they lost an entire generation of how to build something. Yeah, It's something like that here where you have to engage these new projects every X amount of time because that knowledge base and that catalog of knowledge that exists within the company that can trickle down into consumer products starts in these high level other places, I gotta right? tell you my problem with this. Okay, all right. They, they come, we train, they're productive and innovative and inventive, and then they retire. <laughs> and here's Gail. <laughs> Gail, Gail refuses. No. I'm on my third or fourth generation. Yeah, now. this is Gail 4.0 right now. Uh, yeah. No, wait a minute. So you're, wait, hold on a second. to God. Yeah. Hold, wait, you're going to say that there's going to be a new Truck Show Podcast co-host team. They're going to come in and interview you at some point. Like, we're going to be replaced. He's going to be no, interviewed. I'm, I'm putting my head on top of a robot with, uh, <laughs> yeah, and then I'm just going to wheel myself in here and talk Gail to Gail. Banks, I have questions <laughs> for you. <laughs> All right, let's, I've got a few questions for Facebook. Let's, let's hit, let's just hit a few of these really quick. You got it. All right, so uh, we already talked about why you still have Lightning as an employee. Uh, asked and sort of answered. Well, I'll let that one go. Mm. All right, this is actually interesting. I don't one. think I was satisfied with that <laughs> answer. <by the> way. <laughs> uh, well, we do know that uh, you have a picture of uh, Gail and Chicken. Apparently, I think it's because I, I'm an enthusiastic soul and I love the company. All right, that's fair enough. Yeah. All right, uh, Greg Nelson writes. Uh, what's Gail Banks's opinion on someone running a higher weight oil in their three liter Duramax? It calls for zero weight uh, W20. But what if one were to run a 5W30 diesel-specific oil or a 5W40? Well, diesel-specific, okay. Uh, changing weight, I wouldn't. The OEM designed to that target. If you go to an oil that has a higher shear, higher viscosity, it'll hurt your fuel economy, especially if you just do short trips around town mostly. People don't think about that, that yeah. your oil can affect your fuel economy. Absolutely. Uh, That's why so many of the hybrids are started, came out with zero weight. I mean, the, the Prius was, I think, one of the first of the vehicles that came out with zero weight because of the efficiency gains. What'd you say, zero W... I think it calls for zero W20 from uh, GM. I think that's the factory spec. Stay there. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, next question. Derringer tuner and intake for a F-150 3.5 EcoBoost? Is that something that Banks is looking at? Or is it on the on the product roadmap, for instance? Uh, which? That would be the uh, 2019 F-150, F-150 EcoBoost. I can speak to that. Um, not immediately on the Derringer roadmap, but we have another product coming out that he, this listener will be very excited about. We uh, cannot say more. Okay. This will add significant well, horsepower. you're talking about a three and a half liter yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. EcoBoost? Mm-hmm. You have to look at market opportunity. If there are 15 guys selling tuning product for EcoBoost, uh, yeah, there's a lot of them. But what's the market opportunity? If it's saturated, uh, I'd rather do uh, something harder. That being said, we're working on tuning for EcoBoost. We're also working on turbo upgrades. I wasn't going to say it, but he's saying it. There you go. He's he's like, we already Mm -hmm. did it. We did it. 
we didn't have a tuning solution to accompany the turbos. Now we will. And so there's something very awesome coming. Hmm. So, yes. well, in, in the whole tuner market. Yes. Yeah. So you'd be able to tune the 3.5 that's in that F100 out there. That, no. <laughs> Next topic. <laughs> June. <laughs> Not the F100. <laughs> June of this year. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah, around yeah, that time. Uh, I have a question. Hold on. All right. Thanks for your impressive knowledge, Gail. My question is... Will your knowledge ever be packed into a tuning school? Thank you for your time. Uh, this is from Craig in Saskatchewan. Yeah. Uh, I admire the guys that do tuning schools and do them well. We... Uh, I hear a no coming. <laughs> well, 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 hang on. We have speed school. Yep, we do. It's a Banks speed school. And we probably will have an episode that gets into tuning uh, spark ignition, have an episode that gets into tuning diesel, compression ignition. But individual teaching online, probably never. Gail's far too busy for that. There's a lot going on behind the scenes here. So, well, yeah, yeah we'll but there's, a, yeah. there's other guys here who could teach it. Oh, that's a good point. But, Jeff Lee and... But, and but, they're engaged in tuning. Yes. Right. You don't want to give away your, your <laughs> secret sauce either. Yeah, they tune our yeah. product. There's only so many hours they, in the they day. They tune our engines. Well, and, you, yeah. and you, don't, yeah. you don't want to, again, hasten your own demise. Being but. damn good at it. Yeah. Uh, we just had that, that discussion uh, in a late night. We stay around after work a lot. Uh, I think last night we were here till around 9 o'clock. Yep. And some of the damn stuff happens <laughs> after everybody leaves. It. That's, that's the best cool. time. The good, the, the good everybody leaves. Happen. It. Yeah, that's the best time because you get yeah, a little everybody punchy. Leaves. Most and, everybody, yeah. but most everybody leaves at four, five at the latest. But but the the guys that are still here, man, do Jay I has like, never I left at five. To, no, <laughs> I, I don't. <laughs> I love I yeah. love to hang with those guys. We get real creative. After hours. That's when lawnmowers get turbocharged, I'm telling you people. <laughs> uh, this one is coming in from Zach. Is there a good application for remote turbo setups? I understand oh. that it's not anywhere near ideal performance for a build, but I'd like to think that a low boost street application would be a good fit. Something for my 77 Bronco where I could put a turbo in line or replace a muffler seems like a simplified install versus a conventional setup. Anyway, uh, love your Speed School podcast and truck show from uh, from Zach. Oh, and he says, uh, don't suppose you have a list of good books on or data sources to learn about forced induction. Do you? So a couple of questions. The first one is remote turbo setups, good or bad? <laughs> I love I love this. Actually, Holly bought one of these companies. I'm trying to remember the name of it, but puts the turbo under the vehicle and at the ass end of the vehicle. It's like putting the engine on the earth and the turbo on the moon. The turbo response will suffer greatly. The turbo and like has to be it's abominable. Insane. And the boost loss from the turbo forward uh, is tragic. It's like having your straw between your Dr. Straw. Pepper, yeah. and then you take that same diameter straw and you add 17 more segments on it so that you can drink your soda from the uh, second story balcony. Right? Good, good I mean, luck. It's, really, right? it's a really tough to do. So Unless you're really good at <laughs> drinking through straws. Also, the exhaust has to get back there. Yeah. You're adding pipes. And the last thing is, well, where are you putting your, your air filter? In the most hostile environment yeah. 
water what dirt all oh, of it. don't even get me started. There's a guy that's so doing those on. So you got your Corvette with yeah. them on TRX. You got the. Do you, do you there's, there's a guy doing a, 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 a. It's under the belly of the TRX. There was a guy. We're gonna have to have him on the show. There's a guy. I, I the way out. to do this. The way to do this is belly mount right at the, at the back of the engine. Belly mount. That's what he's done. There, there was a GM. Yeah. Oh yeah, there was, lots of guys are doing belly. There's mounts the Trailblazer that had the. It was a Trailblazer SS prototype. I think GM did mm-hmm. that had the five three or somebody put a five three Trailblazer and they did that rear turbo by the muffler thing. And I was like, I don't. It just doesn't compute for me. It's pure jackassery. I don't know turbos like you do, but if I look at it, I go, I don't get it. Yeah. I mean, it's a red flag for somebody who doesn't even know he's looking at. <laughs> right. We should do a speed goal on this one. You should. Let's yeah. do it. This would be a great topic. Absolutely. Okay. Just give the uh, Truck Show podcast uh, props for uh, bringing the topic yeah. up. Uh, we'll call it the speed school rant. Uh, can and we then, have a Gale rants like every, that, every once a month? Just record something that he can rant about. <laughs> I'll just record we'll it on my pl- phone. That's what I'm saying, and we'll just plug it into the show. We usually don't record those things, but I, <laughs> that would be they awesome. They do occur more than more than once a month. You should do that. That okay. would be hilarious. I'll do, they, What's Gale ranting about today? They happen in here. They happen in my Whatever. office. They happen start, in mechanical engineering. Start recording it. <laughs> uh, and then his other question: You were reading a book right now. He asked about a book about uh, forced induction. You told me just two days ago that you're reading a book about turbos you said it was kind of dense and hard to get through but every night you're like reading three pages of it what it's is a that? lot of math it celebrates the birth of the turbocharger and all the the guys that had to do with the turbocharger starting around 1890s through world war ii an engineer who worked through world war ii on turbocharging aircraft engines it starts with a dyno test by General Electric, who were building turbochargers in the 30s at the top of Pikes Peak on a bed of a truck, hmm. <laughs> if you can imagine that. The dynamometer, everything was on the truck. Better than being under the truck. <laughs> and uh, I'd love to do an article on it. I probably will. Uh, or a speed school on it. We can do what they did then and do it way better with a single instrument. Oh, the I-dash. The I-dash. Single instrument. Uh, I'd love to show that because guys don't get how powerful the I-dash is. They just don't get it. That they is can the- log 100 channels at one time. I mean, but what are those 100 channels of data? Uh, I'm going through all these calculations, etc. You don't need the math because you've got the empirical method to do it. It's doing the math for you. Yeah. With the data logger, what we call the I-dash data monster, you got the whole instrument, not the sensors, but the instrument itself for under 500 bucks. I, can't, I don't even know what the price of it is now. It, so it, it's four four nineteen. Guys think of data logging. They don't think of the data they're missing. See, the thing is, we compute new values, new things you've never thought of, like compressor efficiency. I mean, there's nothing out there that computes compressor efficiency while you're running in your car or truck. You can measure the density increase across the turbo, across the supercharger, across the charge air cooler, 
all of them, how good are they? Or is somebody just bullshitting you? Some things I got to get the patent on before we talk about them. The man has spoken. Apparently, uh, I've got some work to do. Well, <laughs> you are going to be busy. It's a pleasure, and thank you guys very much. Wait, wait, hold on a second. You didn't have, you talked about the book. What's it called? Oh, Supercharging the Internal Combustion Engine is the name of the book. I think he started writing it in 46. I don't know when. Published 46, 47, 48, somewhere in there. Supercharging the Internal Combustion Engine. Yeah. Okay. All right. There's your book. Well, so Gail, I'm going to kick you out of here because you have a meeting, and uh, yeah. if we cause you to miss it, then Kim, your assistant, is going to be uh, yelling at not us. a happy camper. And then next time I order uh, Jersey Mike's for our meeting, she'll get the order wrong despite me, just because we made Gail late <laughs> to a oh, meeting. Oh, Jersey Mike's would be that wonderful. Sounds good. <laughs> I'm freaking starving. Yeah, I see somebody has some potato chips. You can have them if you want. <laughs> yeah, those. That's from yesterday's Jersey Mike's. Oh, get eaten. Yeah. Yes, you eat a lot of Jersey Mike's. Uh, no, we no, did because no. well, they deliver the right down the street. Yes. All right. Well, thanks for supporting the podcast and uh, and always being gracious enough to uh, allow us uh, some gail time because uh, everybody appreciates the gail time. You know, it's my pleasure. It's uh, it's also my pleasure. And thank you. Yeah. Awesome. Out. Out. All right. So that happened. Uh, yeah, that was awesome. Love when uh, when Gail checks in on the podcast. Uh, but now that our show is, uh, how many hours do you think we're at now? I, all of them. <laughs> that is it. I mean, here's the thing: is he's got eighty some odd years. When you unleash him, he just goes of of stories, and he can't contain them. And so, when we ask him about entrepreneurship, in order for him to answer a question about entrepreneurship, he has to set it up. He has to set it up. Yeah. But then that's six stories deep, and now then we, and then forget we forgot what our question we, was. Yeah. So it's really an us issue. I guess it we is. can't keep up with them. <laughs> all right, well, all right. Well, I think the one thing we can keep up with, or at least we should, is our uh, our listeners. So why don't yeah. we do some email? Okay. You email, yeah. I email, do it. We email, that's right. Everybody email, type it up. You email, proofread. I email, send it. We email, click it. Everybody email. Who's going first? Say you or me? I'll go first. All right. Got this one from our uh, friend Jordan Scott. It says, uh, Jordan, truck show is number three, and I'm now the former Lightning. And he says, uh, <laughs> as in truckless. Oh. Sup, hubs and jubes? Uh, I'm a few. Hubs and jubes? Yeah. Yeah. Hubju- hub- what was it? Hajubli? No, it was hubba and jabubli. 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 I can't even hubba remember. Hubba bubba and jabubli. Uh, anyway, hubs and jubes is, is wow. easier than hubba bubba Shortened and jabubli. Yeah. Mm. I'm a few episodes behind in the podcast, but I'm still under the thumb of Sean's former taskmasters, so I've known all about the cha-cha-cha changes, and I'm very excited about the future of the show and all the new ways you guys can find to peg that suckage meter. Uh, I was listening to episode 259 and was excited to hear that the uh, Jorda, Jordan edition, because one's a Jordan, one's a Jordan, of uh, the Truck Show Podcast live from Lone Star Throwdown made it to number three most popular episodes of 22. But I take umbrage with Lightning's <laughs> comments. Jordan Mulbauer did a great job, and I bet he could give the old jaboobly a run for his money behind a hot mic. I was definitely the Lightning in that particular pairing. It was too damn cold. Shots fired. And he says, uh, but in sad news, during the California pompous torrential rains on January 14th, I was coming home from a mountain bike race in Fontana, hydroplaned on the 91 at the 5, and totaled my beloved Gen 3.2 Ranger. Ouch. Moment of silence, please. Ten and a half years. 
110,000 miles of seat time, four cross-country moves, two there and back agains, a marriage, a divorce, two repossessions. Man, times are tough before coming to work for Motor Trend. I lived a lot of life with that little truck, and I'm very sad to say I don't have the means to rebuild or give my good old boy Chuck new life as a tube chassis race car or OHV of some kind. I'm physically unhurt, somehow managed to sail across all three lanes, bounce off the center divider twice, and miss or be missed by the thousands of other vehicles fighting for traction that day. The search begins for another proper truck appropriate for my needs. So if you guys know anything cheap, I mean, insurance payout minus a $1,000 deductible for a 180,000-mile 18-year-old truck with crank windows and manual door locks and engines like that. Oh, oh. is that the actual incident? Yeah, oh. our microphones were there. Well, actually, you, there's about four more of those. Oh, I see. Got to hit the other. Now get the other divider. Oh, that was the end, yeah. Oh. <laughs> tough. Oh, that's the, tow <laughs> that's the tow truck that came to uh, haul him off the uh, his, uh, truck carcass off the freeway. All right. Anyway, he says, uh, you know, if, if you can find one cheap, Sean knows where to find me. Anyway, may your parameters always be mounted. Mm -hmm. uh, and of course, he says, screeching tires to crash, noise drop, Darth. No, it's that horn. <laughs> Ouch. You know sad about that is his mountain bike also the rear tire got dented in his uh, oh, in no. part of the accident. So both of his he now he has to walk everywhere. He doesn't have a bike anymore. Oh. This one's from uh, Brandon Clark. Hey guys, Brandon from Nebraska. I think you guys should call it the parts department rather than pod shed. Love the show and keep on trucking on. Hmm. No. Don't like that. <laughs> okay. Uh, right, well, the parts department. I mean, I get it. It's it funny. should be the pods department. The pods department? Yeah, it's like a no, it's like it, a, a Boston way of saying parts. No, I don't like it. The pots, pots department. Nah. <laughs> All right. Josh and Lindsay uh, Sherwater say, Hey, Lighting and Holman, congrats on taking the show on as your own going forward and the positive attitude you've had through all the changes. Looking forward to hearing the new episodes. While enjoying the lack of snow here in Ontario, Canada, thought I'd take the boys out for a mountain bike ride today and had to send you this picture of a Hyundai Santa Cruz in the parking lot. Had to take a closer look at what the AT edition was all about and had a pretty good laugh and knew right away had to send you guys a picture. Lovely honesty the owner has. Josh Sherwater, yeah, buddy, and mounted parameters. And he says, sends this picture here and it's got a Hyundai Santa Cruz and it looks like one of those 4x4 decals on the bed. Mm -hmm. And it says AT. And when you look closer, it says almost a truck. Oh, really? <laughs> so it's big A. Big A, big T, and then little yeah, tiny right. Almost a truck. Very yeah. nice. Very nice. Uh, well, he asked for. Yeah, buddy. And A. Uh, this one is from, uh, I don't know, SMD Yacht. That's all I can tell here. Oh, it's from Dan. Hey, uh, Hardwood and Light Bar. Recently, Elizabeth... <laughs> okay. Hardwood and Light Bar. <laughs> I don't know which one's better or worse. Uh, I don't know. That cracks me up. Recently, a listener wrote in asking which F-150 engine would be better, the 5.0 or the 3.5 EcoBoost. In response, Sean mentioned that he would prefer the 5.0 for anything towing, in which Jay commented, if you were doing any real towing, why wouldn't you just get the 3-liter Duramax, which in turn led to a discussion about why Ford guy would buy <laughs> a Chevy just for the engine. Right. As a lifelong Ford guy, I was recently in this very same position. I needed a new work truck. I would have preferred an F-250 Power Stroke, but simply didn't need that much truck for most of the time as I only tow perhaps once a month at around 8,500 pounds. The rest of the time I'm running with only my tools and equipment in the back and cover around 25,000, mostly highway miles a year. So economy and my use case says go with the half ton. So what do you think you bought? 
I don't know. 22 Silverado with a three-liter so Duramax. He's your, he's your one guy. He's the guy. I've never bought a GM truck. Swore I never would. Even my own mother was shocked. I mean, <laughs> a Ram would have been at least neutral ground, but a Chevy? How could I? Well, I just couldn't ignore that engine. Sadly, Ford doesn't offer anything to compete. The Lightning doesn't cut it for my needs. Mine either. For my needs, as a work truck, part-time tow rig, and the Ram diesel has said its goodbyes. I'm still not a Chevy guy, and maybe I'm just getting older, but logic made me buy the bow tie. Keep the suckage low and mounter those parameters. Yeah, buddy, Don Happel. So does Don love it? I need, does he say he loves it? or he's, he sounds like I did it, but I, don't, I want to know what the aftermath I, of his decision is. He doesn't is. say here. Don, you got to write us back. We have yeah. to know, like, as a Ford guy, I want a Ford versus GM truck comparison from the eyes of a Ford guy. Truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. P.S.J. Uh-oh, he's pissed off because it's my first name. Mm. I'm not seeing a lot of love for the LM2 on the bank site. Anything in the pipeline there? So the LM2 is the three-liter Duramax. uh, Charles James Paris also wrote on our Facebook page, when is the tuner for the 2020 GMC Sierra three-liter Duramax coming out from banks? (sighs) Okay. Here's the thing with that. Oh, boy. (laughs) We don't have that much time. I'll try and say it quickly. I don't do anything quickly, but here it is. All right. We... Almost launched it a year and a half ago. It didn't make the power that we wanted. And when that happened, we had to go back to the drawing board. And it turns out to make the power that we wanted, we couldn't just add fuel and boost. We had to add timing and some other things. Well, that forced us to re-engineer the entire architecture of the Derringer tuner for the LM2. And now LZ0. Just came out with those mods from the factory, essentially. What came out with those mods? No, the upgraded power. Yeah, but we're still going to add more than they've added. But I'm just saying that that can't help your case that GM said, oh, we found some extra power here from yeah, factory. That, that surprisingly doesn't really affect us. Okay. So the new platform, and I've said this, oh, and I'm not joking, 500 times online because the LM2 guys, man, do they want more power. Like seriously, like all, yeah. every, if I post anything about a Ford, a Ram, anything vehicle related, Where's the LM2 tuner? Yep. Cole. Yeah, they're all they're up in your grill. What made it worse is that a year and a half ago when I thought it was coming out, we said, coming soon. Mm. And then when we paused it, one of our guys in engineering, Jeff Lee, said, oh, I think we've cracked it. We can do it with the existing hardware. Oh, awesome. And I released another freaking coming soon. And that pissed off a lot of people. And I really believed it was coming soon. It's not coming soon. It's coming... At, summertime at the soonest it's coming it is coming guys the new architecture is shared with the uh with the new power stroke and the new ram cummins it'll all come out kind of at the same time so your lm2 and lz0 tuner is coming i promise i just don't know when well that's a hell of a way to end the show another promise will break (laughs) oh we are known for breaking promises aren't we we are Thanks. Truck Show Podcast at gmail.com. Write us, won't you? The Truck Show. The Truck Show. The Truck Show. All right, you can uh, hit us up on the socials at Truck Show Podcast, at LBC Lighting, at Sean P. Holman. And, of course, uh, we just uh, gave you the Truck Show Podcast at gmail.com. But there's also new emails if you want to reach either of us directly. No way. Lightning at Truck Show Podcast. Say it isn't so. And Holman. 
at truckshowpodcast.com. So if you have a, one, one, one more time, I didn't get that. Lightning at truckshowpodcast.com and Holman at truckshowpodcast.com. So if you have something specific to either of us, you can reach us uh, individually or, of course, the regular uh, inbox is still there, truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. Of course, Lightning, tell them where they can leave a message. The five star hotline, 657 205 6105. 657 205 6105. Or simply go to at truckshowpodcast on Instagram. Go to the profile, and there's a call button right there. Click it. It rings. It's us. Uh, it's a stinky old message from like two, three, four, five years ago. It's kind of funny. It'll prompt you, and you'll leave a message that will make us smile or weep. <laughs> One of the two. Or chuckle. Hopefully. It'll uh, make us emote, please. But uh, stop honestly, saying emote. That is the you, dumbest word. Is it? You keep using emote. Oh, this company has made us emote. Oh, is this company's true? whole thing is emote. Emote. That's just. When did I say that last? Oh, uh, you said that about well, I don't know Tesla or something. That they've done really? something that has made you emote. No, and that's I know. I don't know. Whatever. Apple. Stupid. Apple. Steve Jobs. Sure. Emote. That's when I said. Stop saying. So that. it's twice in five years I've used the word. Yeah. So I'm trying to end this just, right now at the at the past. Is I'm it like, too swishy for you? It's weird. Yeah. I'm an emote. You listen, if you're in a moat, it should be with alligators, okay? Like, okay. just weird. I will not use that word anymore. Where did, where did you hear it and then decide that you wanted to add it to your vernacular? Something happened where you went, that's a great word. I'm start using that in, yeah, I'm going to start working I don't, that into. I don't do that. You know what? Um, do you listen to Ben Shapiro? Yes. Okay, so Ben Shapiro, I, w- I listen three nights a week-ish okay. or however, whenever he releases podcasts. Mm-hmm. And it's super obvious when he inserts a new word because he uses mm-hmm. it four or five times a show. Sounds you, very familiar. Just like me. Right. I know. And uh-huh. I don't know where the words come from. Uh-huh. And I find a word and it just sticks and I use it. And then I just jettison it. Well, you using it makes me emote. <laughs> so, oh, thank you. You're welcome. There All right. The other thing that makes me emote is uh, the Nissan Titan XD because it saved the day yesterday. Now, how are you allowed to use that word? Uh, we might as well. I mean, we've already hit our uh, quota for <laughs> this episode. Quota? So, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm just trying to do the tie-in. So, uh, our Nissan Titan XD saved the day. Got uh, Rich from Hollister and his crew down to the uh, new podcast studio. And they're actually working on it right now. He sent me some pictures while we're doing the show, which is super awesome. Thanks for sharing. Oh, Can't wait, wait to didn't. get home. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we'll be uh, sooner than later. Thank you, Nissan. If you're looking for a truck that can get Lightning and Holman out of trouble... It's the Nissan Titan and the Titan XD. Five-year, 100,000-mile warranty. It is the best in the business. And, of course, uh, Mr. Gail Banks, thanks for stopping by the podcast today to uh, to hang out with us and uh, uh, share your pearls of wisdom and uh, also uh, continuing to share lightning with us. He's uh, both a national treasure and... Uh, <laughs> Wait, I am or yeah, Gail is? No, no, you. Really? The fact that he would share... Wait, hold on, that does not the, ring. The fact what? that he would share you with our podcast audience on a weekly basis is nothing short astonishing. He doesn't like to. But he did it anyway, and <laughs> yeah, he's, he he's still doing it. So thank you, Gail. Uh, listen, guys, there's a ton of problems. I feel super dirty. We're recording the podcast during business hours right yeah, now. Yeah, but we did have him here, so I, I think we, we mitigated that. Okay. I think. Dodged a bullet? Uh, we'll see I when I leave. I don't know. The door is closed and the blinds are He shut. won't do it around me, but when I leave, you're in trouble. Uh, it's possible. He's probably going to flog you with like a supercharger belt or something. He actually wears a uh, 12 rib supercharger belt as a belt. It's incredible. <laughs> so, anyway. All right. Head over to bankspower.com. There's a ton of products for your truck, even some for your car. You want to check out the uh, Pedal Monster, the iDash, the Monster Ram, the Derringer, on and on and on. The beautiful thing about bankspower.com is the year make model search and find out everything Banks offers for your vehicle right there. Go buy Banks products and support the show or <clears throat> slide into uh, Lightning's uh, DMs. Yeah, because I can go around the man. 
Is he listening? He might, he might listen to this I, episode. He might. I mean, no, I won't go around the man. I have a, I've got a discount ordained by the man. All right. Uh, I'm leaving now because it's getting awkward. See ya. Damn it. The Truck Show Podcast is a production of Truck Famous LLC. This podcast was created by Sean Holman and Jay Tillis with production elements by DJ Omar Khan. If you like what you've heard, please open your Apple Podcast or Spotify app and give us a five-star rating. And if you're a fan, there's no better way to show your support than by patronizing our sponsors. Some vehicles may have been harmed during the making of this podcast. I've got a big truck, it's a large truck, it's a huge truck, it's my truck. He's got a big truck, it's a large truck, it's a huge truck, it's his truck. My truck's got big wheels, lots of big wheels, they're bloody huge wheels, it's got big wheels. He's got big wheels, lots of big wheels, they're bloody huge wheels, he's got big wheels. I've got a big truck, it's a large truck, it's a huge truck, it's a bloody big truck.